Hey, this is Pastor Matt McClure here from Takeover Church, and thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope it encourages you. We pray it blesses you. We pray it challenges you. And if you don't know, we have service every single Sunday at 10.30 a.m., and we would love for you and yours, your family and your friends to come on out, experience church, be a part of all that God is doing through Takeover Church. But hey, we hope this blesses you. Have a great rest of your day. Like, just shout out to our worship team for getting here, for making it happen, making it sound good. We love you guys. Couldn't do it without you. What an incredible moment of worship we had. Amen. Come on. But this morning, we are continuing our series, Anointed. Who was here for week one? Come on. How good was week one? We anointed everyone after service. It's so good. And that really provokes something in us. Um, the book of James says that if any of you are sick, Come to the elders of the church, pray with them, anoint their heads with oil, and believe in Jesus' name for a miracle to take place. And so one of the things that we're going to do in 2020 is we're going to take this whole thing to a whole nother level. Amen? Sound good? Because every single Sunday, at the end of every single message, at the beginning of that little moment of time that we have in worship, we have like a minute, uh, two minutes worth of uh, moment of worship, and however long we need to be here. But uh, starting at that moment, as soon as we hit that last number right there, and we're done with the message— we're going to have a team in the back. I know Zach, some of you are familiar with our core member, Zach, and he's awesome. And uh, we're going to have people in the back that's just like, hey, we're back here. We're prayed up. We got oil. And uh, we're going to do what the Bible says and see what the Lord will do. So if that's you, if you need a prayer for anything, see Zach and a team in the back. We're going to have people praying over you. Sound good? Fantastic. Well, this morning, continuing our series, Anointed. I just love saying it. Would somebody just say, I'm anointed? I just love saying it. But the title of my message, if you're taking notes today, if you missed week one, it's on the podcast, it's great. Um, chickity chick, check that out. But the title of my, I'm surprised I was able to do that. The title of my message today, if you're taking no, notes, anoints, anointed, anoints, taking notes. How you know Shanny too much, anoints. Um, but if you're taking notes this morning, the title of my message is anointed and seated. Anointed and seated. Seated. As you know what, this morning we're coming out of Psalms 23. It's just so good that we're going to go through the entire thing. And there's some people in here that aren't that familiar with their Bible. They're like, yo, Psalms is long. Like, poems is long. It's a poem is long. But it's cool. It's only like eight verses. We're going to hit it real quick. Does that sound good? Fantastic. Y'all love your Bible. Come on. Psalms 23, starting verse 1. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me behind, beside still, behind still waters. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, and he leads me in paths of righteousness. Come on, for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and real, sorry, uh, Coolio. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, it overflows. Come on, somebody. Surely goodness and mercy. Does anybody need some goodness and mercy this morning? Shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we're going to pray, and we're going to see what the Lord will do. Sound good? Jesus, we just thank you so much for this morning. Father God. It's not missed on us that we're two or more gathered. There you are. 
God, we see you. We sense you. You're in this place, in this space, at this moment. Holy Spirit, we don't want to miss a single thing. So right now, we are just turning our hearts. We're tuning into your channel. Whatever it is that you want to do in and through this message, impact our hearts. Your word, it is alive. It is active. It is sharper than any double blade. God, change us this morning from the inside out. We want to leave today not looking like Matt McClure. We want to leave today looking like Jesus Christ. Amen. So God, we trust you in this moment. We hand it over to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Anointed and seated. Psalms 23. I love Psalms 23. Has anybody heard this psalm before? Psalms 23 is absolutely amazing. And I am convinced this morning that we could spend an entire year, I'm talking 365 days, y'all, we could spend an entire year on this piece of scripture alone, and we wouldn't even scratch the depths of this bad boy. I am convinced that I could do every single week of a year, preach on the same passage, and God would do something else through it. He would bring us deeper in it, and he would reveal more of himself to us. This is just one of those moments in David's life where he is writing just this thing that applies to every single one of us. You know, for David, if you're unfamiliar with him, a little brief history on David, he's a writer of the psalm. And see, David, he's the man, Jesus, he comes from his lineage, and David is great, but David, he's a man who's known riches, he's a man who's known famine, He's a man who's been on the run. He's a man who's had great victories and the lowest of depths. He's a man that has experienced such amazing relationship and faithfulness and certainty of who God is while somehow simultaneously committing some of the worst sin of all time. <laughs> like David is just this amazing individual that God in the Bible, he tells us that he is a man after God's own heart. And it's not because he's not without mistakes, and it's not because he was without blame. It's not because he was without doing dumb things from time to time, or intentionally a lot of the time. It wasn't because of that. It was because David always knew who his father was. David always knew he could come back home. David always knew if he got too far out, if he started doing too much, he could always come back because he knew who God was. It's not, it's not from a lack of faithfulness. David was David was faithful. He would always come home. And so in this portion of Scripture, it's important to know that this is David who's writing this. And man, I love it because it starts off like I'm going to, we're going to zero in on verse 5 this morning, but the rest of it's too good. We just can't skip past 1 through 4. We can't. And then we're going to hit the, the last couple. But like we just can't. It's so good. David starts this thing off and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I shall not want. That is an crazy, insane, out-of-this-world portion of Scripture. When you read that, we think, yeah, we're sheep, stay away from lions, God will guide us. Cool. And we're thinking felt board superstars, and we're thinking Owana and Baptist Church, and we start thinking of all of these things that you sang as a kid when you grew up in church, and it was, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But the true meaning of this portion of Scripture, God is his shepherd. I think for a lot of us this morning, we go, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I love God. But we think of God as God as the creator. So often when we say these things, we don't take inventory of our words or understand the weight because we're like, yeah, I love God, but we don't always treat him as Lord. 
He says, no, no, no. He didn't say, God is my shepherd I shall not want. He gave him his proper title in this place in his life. He says, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. Why is that important? Because nothing happens. There's no transaction, action, or inaction that takes place that a Lord doesn't approve. It doesn't pass through his desk. Whatever David, the man, and the sheep, and the myth, and the legend would do or not do, was based and determined solely off whether God was cool with it. He positioned his heart. Obviously, again, he had many times in his life, but in this, he's making a declaration. He is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You, where I go, where I don't go, it's on you. Where I sleep or I don't sleep, somebody, that's on him too. That's on God. Somebody say, that's on God this morning. Eight people understand that reference. That's good. Don't worry about it. That's on God. But he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The crazy thing about that statement is we read it, we go past it, we go, yeah, 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 I get it. But did you know that in our lives, some of us, we did this all through 2019. Some of us, we just came into 2020, we're 19 days into this mug, and we have already placed other things, people, places, sins, desires, moments, love, spouses, jobs, bosses, whomever, we have taken people and things in our lives, and we have positioned them in our lives to be Lord. We got into, we are, some of us were 19 days into this thing, and he goes, David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Friends, when we begin to put other places in our, uh, other lesser voices, other idols, other gods, other people, places, and objectives in our lives, in that place of lordship, where a lesser voice and an idol and a spouse and a girlfriend and a boyfriend and a job, when they start being the determining factors in our lives about what we do and what we don't do, suddenly we don't live from a place of, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. No, 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 we live and we fight from a deficit. We fight from a place of I am in need, not I am, I shall not want. You see, when we begin to put other things in that Lord's place, that shepherding place, when a girl begins to shepherd our lives, boys, when a man begins to shepherd our lives, women, when a job and money and promotion becomes everything we are determined for in life, and it determines how we sleep, and it determines how we go, and it determines how we climb the corporate ladder, how these things begin to do it instead of everything that we do, we give glory to God, we do it to bring glory to God, we keep him at his proper place in lordship, when we become consumed, friends, with everything else in life, every decision we make, where we go at nights, based on whose bed we're going to be in, the money we spend and where it goes based off of is it building what God wants to do in my life? Is it establishing my marriage properly in God's life? Are all these things that he wants to do in and through my life? Am I preparing the way for the Lord to do great things in and through my life? Or am I putting all of these things above God and the money and the fame and the riches and the followers? Are these things becoming determining factors of what I do or what I don't do in my life. And when we do that, we will never live from a place of I shall not want. The only place your want, your needs, you are taken care of fully is in God, the Lord, your shepherd. If I was to place Adrienne, she makes more money than I do. Y'all know that, okay? Sugar mama, get you one. It's awesome. Come on. All the boys are like, yeah. She did it for him. Lord, do it for me. I believe. Come on. I said, I'm sorry that I was coming with my agenda, but if you could bring me a wife like Adrienne with a bank account, 
So, but if I was to place Adrian in that place in my life, I would begin to live from a place of deficit because I'm putting her in a position she was never meant to have, that she could never handle, and making a promise with her that she could never fulfill in my life. The Lord is my shepherd, friends. I shall not want. How good is that? Amen. You believe it this morning? What's he say after that? He says, Lord is my shepherd. He says, you lead me beside still waters. He restores my souls. You lead me beside calm pastures. Beside still waters. You restore my soul. So often in this life, especially in this new year, man, some of us are 19 days into this thing and we are already stressed out. Our souls are already all out of whack. Man, we're just feeling panicked. We're feeling worry. We're feeling anxiety. We're, we're so many days into this already, and it's tax season, or it's this, or it's that. And, and there's jobs, and there's year-end things, and there's all of these things that are going on, and we are filled with anxiety and with worry. And here's David proclaiming that our God is a God that in the midst of chaos— in the midst of calamity, in the midst of uncertainty, when the life happens to you that you never could have imagined, you never would have asked for, where the unimaginable comes and visits your home when death is on your doorstep, David makes this bold proclamation about who our God is. And he's a, he's a God that David doesn't say, hey, my life was great in this moment. I was king. I was doing all these amazing things. Life was going really great. And then he led me behind, uh, lead, me, lead me beside still waters, and he brought me to green pastures. He brought me to a place of rest. He brought me to a place where I could just sit in his presence and be filled up. No, 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 David doesn't say that because it doesn't matter the situation that you find yourself in today, good, bad, ugly, or otherwise, in 2020, 19 days in, because of who you are and because of who our God is even more so, no matter what you've experienced so far in this life, not even just this year, our God has a promise that says, I will lead you to green pastures. I will lead you beside still waters. If you keep me at my place as a shepherd, whatever news comes your way, whatever diagnosis comes your way, whatever happens to you in this life, whatever somebody else does to you in this life, if you keep me as shepherd, not fear, not anxiety, not him, her, or something else, if you keep me as shepherd, I will lead you beside still waters. Does anybody else just need a piece of God today? Come on. This is helping anybody else out. He says, you build me up in your righteousness, in your holiness. He doesn't want to make us righteous to rule in front. Making us righteous is a part of all of this. If we keep him at his proper place, these are all of his promises. If we keep him at his proper place, man, he is going to be the driving force behind your life. He is going to be the guidance, the discernment, the comfort that you need. He's going to be the peace beyond all understanding. He is going to lead you to where he wants you to be. No matter what's going on around you, peace is always available to you. And then he says, and in the midst of chaos, in the midst of calamity, in the midst of greatness, in the life of being good, no matter where you find yourself, he leads you beside still waters and green pastures. And he makes you righteous. That means that he's going to draw holiness. That means he's going to break down everything else that's keeping you from that place. 
as he leads you to this place of green pastures. He is going to make you in his image and his likeness as you are going to be in a place of peace while there's chaos going around you, looking more like Jesus every single day. Is this good news? It says this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This is incredible, and this is deep, and we don't have time to get into this again. I could spend a month just on this verse alone. But here he is, and David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I know, so there's some 90 kids in here this morning that thought Coolio came up with that in a bodyguard movie. He, He did it. It's not him. David. Nobody knows who Julio is. Okay, man, we're moving on. That's fine. I'm in, I'm in the wrong church. So, <laughs> Julio's great. You should check it out. It's just that one song. Um, I think. Hopefully. Pastor didn't say it. It's fine. He says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, man. The Lord is your shepherd. Death is just a shadow. How many of you know there can't be a shadow without light? That's just the enemy popping up with something going on to distract you, to make the valley look darker than it is. God is around you. God is shining on you. God is with you in that valley, that shadow of death. It's just that. It's just a shadow. If you allow him to be the shepherd of your life, death is just a shadow. Amen? And then he says this really important part that I think a lot of us need to hear this morning. Because I can't be the only person that's made it 19 days into a brand new year and a brand new decade. Yes, I concede it's a new decade. There you go. Concede. Done. Okay. I looked at the math, and uh, I still don't agree, but I I concede, okay? I submit to obedience. Come on. Even when you don't agree, it's obedience, right? Come on. Stupid. But here he says, he says, your staff... And your rod, they comfort me. Some of us needed to know today that, man, when you are a sheep of God, when he is your shepherd, there is no distance that you could run off from the rest of the pack. There's no, there's no breaking out of this fenced-in area that he has you in. There's no way that you could leave your anointing, you could leave your calling, that you could break out of these parameters that he set for your life. There's no distance that you could go that his staff could not pull you back. I don't know what happened to you so far in 2019 or what decisions, good, bad, or otherwise that you've made so far, but maybe you have wandered far in 19 days. Maybe since we had the anointing service, you have already gone back on what you asked for for your anointing. So you prayed over for 2020. Maybe you've gone back into doubt. Maybe you've gone back into sex. Maybe you've gone back into all of these things. God is a God. He is a shepherd with a long staff, and that staff will pull you back. Amen? There's some of us this morning, you got to know this. God is a good God for his children. But if you are an enemy of his children, God is a bad man. He has got a rod. Shepherds don't have a rod to walk with. It's not to help them with long distances. That rod is there because if a lion or a wolf or a bear or something comes alongside a sheep that is on the outer rim because the enemy's only going to attack somebody who's far away from the pack somebody, and when you're being attacked because you're off being silly in the outer rim, your God loves you so much that he will take that rod upside someone's head for you. 
Our God, he has a rod, and he will crush someone for you. You are his prize. You are his joy. You are his son, and you are his daughter. You need to know today. You can always come back to the pack. He will always pull you back if you let him. If you put him back as shepherd of your life, he will pull you back in. He will crack whomever, whatever, that is trying to prey on his children. Amen. So that leads us to verse 5. Here we are. Rod your staff, they comfort me. David says this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. Is this helping anybody else out so far? Is this good? He says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I think this is a piece of scripture that we've probably spent a lot of time on in the church, and I think for good reason. I think for good reason. I think if you were to go back and you were to look at history at the time, what David is referencing is that this was a time of honor. This was a time of countries doing great battle. This was a time of actual having actual wars and people going on. And when leaders would have to come together, they would prepare a table. They would break bread. They would pour wine. They would pull up a seat. And when they pulled up a table, a table was prepared for them in the midst of war. It meant that there was peace. Right here in this moment, you and I, we're pulling up a seat. And this table that's prepared before us, this is a place of peace. In the midst of war, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of lions, in the midst of our enemies, of things that want to kill you, God prepares a table for you. And he says, you and I, we're not at war. You and I, we're father and son. We're father and daughter. You and I, I know you got far off back there, but I told you you were. You didn't even know that wolf was lurking. You didn't even know who was coming for you. But I cracked him. And we came back, and we're sitting down, and here we are. We have a table, and this is a place of peace. You and I, we have no you and I, we have no conflict. You are my son. You are my daughter. This, this is your place. It's not out there on the outer rim. It is here, seated at this table. There could be wars. There could be things going on around you. You could have a history. But at this table, your past is erased. Your future is set free. And there is peace between you and the only other one that matters. Amen? And so here we are, anointed and seated. We're fresh into 2020, and the whole point of this anointed series is so that we would start this year off on purpose. We said it the first week, it was off the dome, but it's sticking. It's even on the website that we would live on purpose and by design. God's design and his purpose for his children is that we would lead anointed lives. And so the first week was anointed in purpose, and this week is anointed and seated. And so our God, David says that he prepares a table for us in the midst, in the presence of our enemies. There could be arrows drawn. There could be tanks rolling up. There could be lies being said, gossip being done, people talking about you at your job, somebody trying to come at your spouse. You can have all of these things going on in the midst of sickness. God prepares a table for you. He loves you so much that 
eats from Matt McClure, he prepares it with keto-friendly snacks. But he just loves me. But whatever your idiosyncrasy is, he's got you too, okay? If you're one of those people that likes cottage cheese and cantaloupe, he's got you. It's weird, so I'm not at your table, okay? Because I'm going to judge you. It's good protein. No, it's not. You're weird. Stop, okay? I've never, I've never thrown out a cantaloupe and cottage cheese joke, but that was great. Come on, somebody. That's good news. It's good news. But he prepares this place for you. And I wonder, because the human condition and how often we like to, no matter how long we've been coming with Jesus, how often we like to, we like to begin to invite other things into our places of peace. There's just something about us that when life is going on around us, we begin to look over the shoulder of God sitting in front of us, and we see what fast-acting relief is on the other side of it. We're starting to hear lies on the other side of God. We're looking around his shoulder, seeing what's going on around us, because we have a war that's happening. Death is coming for us. All of these crazy things are happening in our lives, and yet we have perfect peace in the presence of our enemies, but because of our human condition. More often than I think we'd like to admit, and I don't think I'm far off the number here when I say we're 19 days in the new year, and there's a lot of us in this year that have began to welcome other things at our table of peace. So what do we do with that? I mean, how often have we found ourselves in a great place with God? You know what's funny about that statement? Is that if you have a relationship with Jesus, you are always in a great place with God. He doesn't ever, he doesn't ever draw back at you because of your behavior and your decision. He's already held it against Jesus. He already sees you covered in the blood of Jesus. He already sees the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. He's already anointed your head. When you start to mess up and you start to go the other direction, you and him, you're always good with God. It's that goodness that changes you and challenges you and draws you back to the table. But often in this life, for some of us, man, we just begin to invite enemies into our camp. We begin to invite enemies into our presence of peace. We could be in this moment with God where he is just bringing us such peace. And the second something else goes wrong, one more thing begins to come at you. We begin to feel a little bit of turbulence in the workplace. We begin to feel a little bit of turbulence in our marriage. We begin to feel a little bit of turbulence in our finances. Something knocks us off kilter on this top that we're spinning on. And we're doing this thing that God has called us to do. And suddenly we invite lesser voices to this conversation with God. 2020. Some of us today, we're like, yeah, 2020. I'm going to level up this year. I'm going to level up. I'm going to get the car. I'm going to get the house. I'm going to get the promotion first. There you go. Well, we're going to level up this year. And then some things happen at workplace inevitably because life happens. It's not always the devil that's coming for you that provokes these things. Sometimes life actually just happens. But what the devil does do in those moments is our Bible tells us that he lurks around like a roaring lion. And he is studying you and he knows you and he knows the voice of God because he's been around God and he's heard God longer than you and I have. And so he just likes to lurk around. You're going to God. You're going, man, 2020. God, it's going to be my year. 
Like, thank you for this place of peace. Thank you for this moment that I can bring this to you. God, I just ask that you would bless my finances. We were so faithful with tithing last year. God, if we could just get that promotion at work, if we could just get a little bit more pay, if this thing could just go our way, God, man, we would be in such a better place for 2020. We could, we could have a kid. We could do this. We could go here. We could give more to our church. We could be generous on a weekly basis. We could do all of these things, God. And the enemy around our table and he loves keto friendly snacks too he hears these conversations going on with you and God and he begins to speak to you like he cares about you and he says yeah yeah you deserve that promotion because he always he always goes with pride doesn't he he wants to big you up first he wants you to think you matter to him but he's on your side. He's like, yeah, that paycheck, that promotion, you do deserve that. Oh, it's just such a bummer to bring in another guy in. That should have been your spot. This should have been your year. You know, the only reason he can even come into this company right now is because of all the hard work that was done on your back. And he goes back to pride. And he goes back to what you deserve. But that's not what's happening at work. And he's like, man, I know you thought that God led you to this place, but maybe you heard it wrong. Maybe this wasn't the assignment. Maybe this was the job you were supposed to turn down. Maybe this wasn't the door you were supposed to go through 15 years ago. Maybe you've been listening to God all wrong this entire time. And suddenly what God's called you to do and where he's called you to comes into question because the enemy's been whispering in your ear and telling you all things that you want to hear. And suddenly you find yourself in a place where in this moment at this table of peace with God, you begin to question God. These questions with God at this table of peace are always meant to lead to greater faith and assurance in the Lord and audacity for Him. And instead, when we allow the devil to pull up a seat, to have a voice in our life over our career trajectory and what we're doing with our lives, suddenly he begins to, John 10, 10, kill, steal, and destroy. You know, for some of us in here this morning, we had a 2019 where the enemy really came for our marriages. I was that guy. Man, we read something personal happened to us and people around us and just things started coming at your marriage. And for some of us, we have kids involved. And for some of us, we have uh, dual jobs involved. We're bringing kids to daycare. And there's all these things that are going on. And we're going to God at our place and promise and table of peace. And we're saying, man, 2019 almost killed us, God. 2019 almost ended us, God. He spent so much time at work. I had to call off to be with kids. They've been a handful. And we just barely got through it. Staying afloat was an undertaking in and of itself. And God's like, I know. I've been with you every step of the way. But we're in it. This is us right here, peace. And the devil, he likes to come in and kid, he just sits down at the table and he's like, this is really good cheese. This is really good cheese. Not at my table. And he says, you're right. You know, 2019 really was a hard year for you guys. And you know, I really hope your husband changes this year. This isn't what you agreed to. You didn't say I do just so you could get pregnant with a bunch of kids and he could go to work and you wouldn't have a career. 
Christmas 2019. Listen, you're going to the 2020. You're a boss woman. You're going to boss up this year. And he's over there not caring. Man, I hope he changes in 2020. New year, new you. You know what? Even better, girl. New, new year, new boo. Maybe he'll change. He doesn't hold doors for you no more. He don't tell you how pretty you are. He don't even notice when you change your hair. He just goes to work. He comes home. He's just doing his thing. And most time you guys get is on Sundays. But even then, you go to church and spend time. And he starts putting all these things in there about who you are and what you deserve. Instead of leading you back to a faithfulness in your marriage. And then he hits you with this number, right? Always happens. His playbook is, it's written. We all know it. We just fall for it. And he goes, man, I'll put that new guy at work, though, right? Chad, come on, Chad. It's always a Chad. It's always a Chad. Chad is always that, that guy. And he's like, what about Chad, though? And I'm like, now that's somebody, man, whoever wipes him up, come on. That's a catch right there. Man, he's always, he's always talking to you. He notices when you change your hair. God, I hope your husband starts to be more and more like Chad in the new year. He holds the door for you. He asks about what's going on in your life. He comes by your cul-de-sac or he comes by your, your cubicle and he goes, man, like, you're just looking real good today. How's life? How are things at home? How's the husband? I know things have been kind of crazy. And Man, how good would it be if, if your husband was more like Chad? And suddenly, because we've allowed an enemy to have a voice, we began to entertain his voice at our table of peace. We've allowed him to pull up a chair, and we've begun to look at life. We have begun to see what he has to say. We've begun to hear what he has to say. We've given the devil and the enemy an audience, and again, still kill and destroy. Some of us this year, we've got to learn that, man, if we got a devil at our table, we will never go to the next level. If there's a devil at our table, we will never go to the next level. Some of us, we have entertained the enemy for far too long. I know these voices, okay? I know these lies. These are things that pop up in all of our heads because he wants to come for the things that matter the most to us. This is always what he does. He will stroke your ego, tell you what you deserve, doesn't tell you to lay your life down for nobody or nothing, and then he will take everything from you. This table is a place of peace. It's prepared for conversations like this. God made this table for you and him to sit at because the devil, he wants to make friends with you before he kills you. And some of us in 2020, we just need to say, devil, time's up. It's 2020. The rent's due. You're out of here. Can somebody just say prophetically right now, the rent's due? Can you say it like you believe it, like he's taken something from you and it's owed back to you? Can you just say the rent's due? He has prepared a place of peace for you in the midst of your enemies. Man, the devil wants to come and he wants to sit at your place. He wants to sit at this table that God has prepared for you and he wants to speak lesser ideas. Man, if you think God's got a plan for your life, the devil has a plan for your life as well. Three steps, kill, steal, and sell. However he's got to do it. If he can't kill you, he'll still kill you. If he can't kill you, destroy everything around you. He'll destroy your reputation. He'll destroy your marriage. He can't break you. He will break the rest of your life. Steal, kill, and destroy. But our God says that I have prepared a place of peace. And when we begin to entertain other voices at this moment, why do you think he says, I've prepared a place for you 
presence of our enemies. And I anoint your head with oil. Just like we talked about the first week of this message series. When a shepherd pours oil on his sheep's head, it's to keep things from getting in here. It's to keep from getting things in here. And it's to keep infection out of here. When God brings you to a place of peace, it's not so that you can invite everybody and everybody to this conversation. Some of us in 2020, 19 days in already, we have invited lesser voices to have a conversation about our purity, have a conversation about our marriage, have a conversation about our relationships, have a conversation about our money, have a conversation about our generation and our city. And God is saying, I have anointed your head with oil as you allow the devil to keep getting you to look at things at eye level. I don't mean eye level. I mean eye level. What the enemy is always going to get you to do, he doesn't want you to look from heaven's perspective. For God, man, that guy might have come into that workplace and taken that job, and those things might not have given you the promotion that you wanted. Maybe God's plan for your life was that you would serve that man who's far from God, that man who has all of that power, that man who is living by his own rule and desire, and he's doing whatever he wants in that place. He's living far from God, and maybe it's God's plan for you in that season before he gives you promotion. It's to serve that man. It's to lead him to the Lord so there could be a greater amplification of how good your God is in his workplace. But the devil, he doesn't want you to look from a heavenly perspective or a heaven's vantage point. He wants you to look at things from eye level. Friends, sometimes in this life, it is not about what we want. It's about what God wants. God's plan doesn't always revolve around you and I getting what we want, but rather what God wants for us. Man, this place of peace this anointing that's on your life, this place that he's prepared for you, it's not for you to take a step back from. It's not so that we can invite people to this conversation. Man, I've had so many times in my life where I was found listening to the wrong voices. Man, if we would have listened to the right voices, this church doesn't have been planted. Man, there's some marriages, there's some healing, there's some testimony in this place that never would have happened if we would have listened to the lie. If we would have listened to the enemy sneaking up to our table. And I'm not saying that we got it perfect, man. Man, there has been times where I've just found myself, and I'm not even like somebody who struggles with this, but I have found myself contemplating taking my own life. I've had that thought pop in my head. I've looked at it for what it is and gone, God, that's not from you. But it's scary enough that these things would find their way at my table. The enemy, he wants to invade your table, and he is someone who is going to try and pretend to serve you, but he's not even worthy to pour you a glass. There's voices that we're listening to that we've allowed to serve us that is not worthy. It's not worthy to pour us a glass. But God, he prepares this place for us. He prepares this table for us. Did you know that we have a God who's the creator of the universe? He's the Lord of your life, but he is also the friend of sinners, and he wants to pull up a table for you, and he wants to serve you. Before you get ahead of yourself, I'm not saying God's this Will Smith genie, okay? He ain't some Christine Aguilera genie in a bottle, baby. You gotta rub me the right way. No, you gotta serve him the right way. That's a stupid reference. 100%. Leave that to Michael W. Smith in the 90s, bro. 
but he's not a genie. When he serves his children, it's because he's a God who loves to give good gifts to his children. He's not there serving you. Where This is not some God serves us. We're all just made so that God can delight in us and just big us up and do all these things for our glory. No, no, no. Whenever he brings you promotion, it's always for his glory. Whenever he pours you a glass of peace, it's always for his glory. Whenever he brings you uh, faithfulness and whenever he shows up in your situation, it's always to bring himself glory. But he wants to use you in your life and he wants to bring you aside green pastures and he wants to bring you to still waters all so that you and him can be in a place of peace. See, at the end of this, at the end of this, he says this. I find the rest of it. He says, Surely the goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Worship team, you can make your way back up here. Surely your goodness, your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I don't know where you found yourself already 19 days into this thing. I don't know where you found yourself just in two weeks of, of not having church last week. By the way, we're not going to cancel again. We're just going to move service times. That was trash. We all know it was. That sucked. I don't know what's happened. Maybe you're in here this morning. And, man, you just feel like your throat your throat is dry and you could use some still water. Maybe you feel like you've just been at such a place of unrest and unease and uncertainty and you could just use some green pastures to lie down in right now. I don't know where you're at 20 days into this thing. I don't know what Monday has for you, but maybe your thought this whole time is, yeah, but Matt... But pastor, I'm already dry, and we're just this many days into it. What does the rest of the year look like if I already look like the Sahara on the inside? My invitation to you right now is that you would return to the table. That you would return to the table. David says, surely your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And then he says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If his goodness and his mercy and his place of peace and his still waters and his anointing and his authority and his call on your life, if it's to be evident, we must return to the table. He will pull you back. He will crush the devil's head. He already came at him with a cross, and he thought it's still a good idea to come at you. And when he does, your God has said, I will crush him. Return to the table. You're too anointed to be running off. You're too anointed to be running with her. You're too anointed to be entertaining these voices and letting these people in and letting them have their way. You're too anointed to continue to entertain the thoughts in your own head. I've got a place of peace for you. 
This isn't about new year, new you. This isn't about resolutions and goals. This isn't about weight loss and throwing out toxic people of your life. If those things are needed, that's awesome. But are God's chief concern for your life is that you would be at his table. Because seated with him, is that, that's your provision, that's your peace. That's your grace, that's your mercy. That's your place of worship, that's where God's favor is on you like none other. If you're at the table with God, your past cannot eclipse his presence. The enemy cannot overcome your God. If you are at the table of peace with your God, that's the safest, that's the most fulfilling, that's the most satisfying, that's the most discernful, most guiding place that you can be found in this life. It's not on your grind, it's at his table. It's not in somebody's bed, it's at his table. That's who our God is. Would you just stand up for me? We're to go into this moment of worship, and if I could just get every head bowed and eye closed in this place. Like I said, starting right now, we got Zach in the back, and he is locked, ready to go, and I think CJ's back there too. He could probably give a hand, and if you need prayer for anything, sickness, mental illness, health, guidance, whatever you need, we're going to anoint your head, we're going to pray over you, we're going to believe. And if this moment, with every head bowed and eye closed, before we begin that, I just want to offer every single person in this place, if you would say that you are a Jesus follower right now, and you want to come home to that table, if you want to pull up a fresh seat, if you want God to pour you out a glass of some strong grace, of some certain future, of some peace beyond all understanding. Whatever it is, it's found at the table if that's you. There's nobody looking around. There's nobody judging your situation. Why don't you just put your hand up high enough and long enough just so we can make a declaration right now together that we're coming back to the table. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. That's amazing. I see that hand back there. We are coming back to the table. Father God, I see that hand. We just thank you. I see that hand. God, we just ask right now, God, for a fresh portion of whatever you've got, God. We are dry. We are ready, God, and we are ready to meet with you at this table. So bring it, God. We need your peace. God, we're not going to chase tranquility and other things or nirvana from this thing. We're not going to go into these areas that promise us a quick fix. We're going with you, God. From this moment forward, we're sitting down at your table, God. As the band begins to sing, we just declare right now, we are returning to the table. In Jesus' name, come on. <laughs>